And uh, most people are just too fried to, to even think beyond just a day to day, like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. You know, I got this problem. I got to pay these bills. Welcome to Becoming Legendary, a podcast where we talk with rad people from all over the world about their legendary stories. That was Dr. Carlos Santo, a naturopath, a yogi, and an all around amazing guy. Every interaction I've ever had with Carlos, I have really appreciated, and this podcast was no exception. I hope you enjoy this. Without further ado, let's get to Becoming Legendary with Dr. Carlos Santo. There are no gold medals for down dog. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself 1% Your better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Dr. Carlos Santos, welcome to Becoming Legendary. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. I, um, I have to ask, what does a typical day in your life look like? <laughs> I like to start my day with, um, with breathing work and uh, a little bit of consciousness effort. Uh, it's, the, it's the way to start my day, no matter whether I'm working or it's a day off. I like to set my intention for the day, as I do when I go to sleep as well. And so that's when I start. I'll start with my breathing work and some movement. And um, food's not on my mind until usually late morning. If not, I try to go to noon. Okay. So, yeah, I, I try to do the, you know, 12-hour minimum. Yeah. You know, no food. And it seems to be working for me. So, yeah. uh, you know, there is no day that's typical in my life. And uh, even in my, my daily work, as you'll find out, it's just every day is unique and different, which is why I chose my path. So... Yeah. So I'll I'll start out with uh, start out with the breath work. When is it is it one of the first things you do? Like, do you get out of bed before you yeah. start your breath work? Uh, depending on how bad I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> if it's going to be a distraction, then um, yeah, I'll go to the bathroom first. Okay. Uh, and you know, it's nothing super formal, but it, it'll be five or ten minutes of just you know just being present more than anything, mm. and um, you know. I, do my, I keep my phone, if, if possible, in another room so that, you know, it's not the first thing I go for. Yeah, it's I was just, just going to say that. <laughs> it's like a, I, a recess. <laughs> just have it set for an alarm or something. Because, I mean, you know, like we just live in this age, right? And so it, my day is, is governed by being connected as yeah. yours is. Yeah. And we, just, we run our businesses that way and our lives. And so yeah. once once we connect, we don't really disconnect until we do. And uh, – but – as you'll find out, I mean, I do my best to stay away from it and not be tied to it. Um, I certainly not like um, many of the younger kids do, where it's like you know, I use it really for necessity. And I know most people say that because their necessity is different. Who's you know, it's all yeah. subjective. Yeah. But anyway, starting my day with the consciousness and being present, and and um, you know, and and I reflect on the lineage of Paramahansa Yogananda. He's somebody who. If I'm going to consider a guru, that would be the closest thing I've ever had. He and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, and um, who is in his lineage too. Mm. Um, for me, I just uh, sit, be present, and I reflect on on that man's life, and uh, it just gives me perspective, you know. Yeah. And that's how I set my day when I can, and in most cases I can. Most cases I can. If you had to guess, if you had to guess, what percentage of the American populace do you think gives themselves that ten minutes of of break daily. I would love it if it were as high as one percent. <laughs> really, yeah, one percent of three hundred thirty million people is not bad, and yeah. I, um, I would love it if that many people did. And it's possible many more, right? Of course, and people who are in the, in, in the yoga path, um, which is you know super popular here, and it just continues to just you know, exponentially, you know, rise, they're more than likely going to be doing that. But, um, you know, then I've seen many yoginis and, and yogis who don't practice the path. Once they roll their mat up, it's 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 back to the grind, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I realistically would say, I, uh, you know, I'd be happy if 1% of people in this um, in this country were doing it. I think that's a I, – I, it's a really interesting – because when you started that, I was like, he's going to say, I'd be really happy if everyone did, or I'd be really happy. And then 1%, it's well, like, oh, that's a realistic expectation. I, I would be really happy with that, too. I'm a scientist. So I am a realist. <laughs> um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not a pessimist, though. You know, I, yeah. I, I do it because in my, in my intention setting, it, my intention is just to 
you know, in everyone's highest good, just follow their path and, uh, and, and hope everyone does good work. But, it, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm very cautious to, to not interfere with people's paths. And if it's in someone's path not to follow a healthy way, um, all I can do is show the way and, and, and pave the way in my own way. Yeah. But it's up to them to follow. Yeah. And I'm not following me. I'm just saying, you know, I want to just clear some of the energy with my intent. Yeah. You know, many ways we can do that, right, with heart math and other things. But just in meditation, we clear the way for people to, to find that, that experience. And that's that's my intention. And maybe it's more than 1%. I would love it if it were. You know, but um, I, I'm just basing it on my experience yeah. with my patients. You know? And uh, most people are just too fried. To, to even think beyond just a day to day, like I gotta get this done, I gotta get this done, you know, I got this problem, I gotta pay these bills, and so they start their day with the electronics, with the coffee, and you know, it's it's just from the start we're starting already from behind, and yeah. then we take that into our sleep. That is the unfortunate way that that we have gone in in the capitalist culture, which I'm you know I, I actually support you know individualism and capitalism. I'm good with all that, but. Balance is so important. If you can do it from a spiritual-minded, you know, perspective, a spiritual perspective, um, it could be phenomenal. Uh, but the, the the bad side of it is, you know, when we we let it just take us over and we lose we lose focus of who we really are and, and what our true path is on this planet, our dharma. You know. Yeah. So there's. <laughs> I'm I'm running through my head on how how many different ways I want to go from that. Um, one of the things that I think we just have to, to touch on because you've you've mentioned it so many times is this path. So yeah. everyone more or less has a path that they're on. Um, it's also I think more accessible than most people are willing to admit that our our capacity to change our path is always there. How did you find this path of 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 wellness of becoming a naturopathic doctor? A lot of trial and error, a lot of pain, a lot of failure. That's how I found it. And one of my one of my idols was Abraham Lincoln, and I I so resonate with him not for his achievements, but for for what he did from his failures. That's that's why I I just admire that man so much. And um, I had a rough life growing up. I was a New York City kid, and you know it wasn't easy. And just leave it at that. That was a cop, and he was rough. So we weren't raised in any type of holistic environment to say the least. We were blue collar, you know, and uh, life is going to be hard and just, you know, just, just bear with it. Yeah. And that was my life. And around <laughs> my path began, I remember with reading um, Louise Hay at age 24, um, you can heal your life. And I started realizing it was okay to think differently and out of the box. And before that time I didn't, and it was life was much more of a struggle before different kind of struggle ensued after that. The struggle, the struggle of, okay, now I understand that I can be different and out of the box, but what do I do with that? And so the rest of my 20s was just this deep, deep searching, and and but it was painful, right? Because I'm like, everything was starting to turn up as to what was my reality anymore, right? Yeah. And I didn't go back to, and I had already a career, you know, I graduate degree in exercise science. I thought, all right, you know, this is where I'm going, and like, but I'm not happy, you know, I'm working for somebody else in the grind, and and I took a step. I moved from New York out to here, out to Arizona at 29. New Mexico in between um, for six months to really just completely sequ uh, sequester myself. Yeah. And, and I was secluded. But then I got clarity that this is what I needed to do on my path. So it was a, str a struggle that came out of like literally the story of the phoenix, you know, rising from the ashes. I was very fortunate. Uh, not to go down the path of many people in my life with, you know, drugs and, and I, I did not have to hit rock bottom. Somehow I always had the ability to listen to my, my angels, my higher, you know, my higher guides, whatever it was. I still don't know what it, what it is or what it is, but I've always had a knowledge or a sort of a sense of, you know, what path to go, even around a lot of adversity. So. I, it was clear to me I just needed to go back to school again and reinvent myself, which is what I did at my Saturn return at 29. Yeah. And I moved at 29. I moved out here, and that was um, 1994. And uh, I never looked back. You okay. Know? Yeah. Uh, well, moving out here, breaking away from the old culture of, you know, blue-collar, 
New York City, you know, the immigrant culture, which is what I was brought up in, of course, you know, like many Italians were, mm -hmm. and recognizing that I am who I am, and I'm going to be, it's going to be painful break being away from, you know, my family of origin to developing my new family, which is the culture I have in, you know, what I'm experiencing now. Yeah. And uh, slow process, you still get caught with the old patterns, right? But that's your your karma, right? And understanding that it's just your karma, it's okay, right? To yeah. To to not acknowledge it, but then it's like that's your past, and that's your your that's there as a lesson. But your dharma, right? Your path is is where you go forward. And I do my best to always try to go forward. So every major decision I make in my life, I try to think about: is this is this coming from fear or love? Is this coming from my past, or is this allowing me to go forward? Mm. Long answer to your question. I um, hope I answered it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. That's essentially what drives me. Okay, when when you're when you're making a decision and you're you're looking at is this coming from fear or is this coming from love? What tool what tools or mental processes are you using to make that distinction? I don't even know that it's mental. Mm. I mean, I'm a very logical person and I am a scientist. The same, you know, I keep saying that because it's true. I'm yeah. very left brain extremely. And so my challenge is to work from the other side of the brain mm. to get into the heart space. Yeah. That's not, the, that's not the space that's my normal, right? But but it is, right? Because I look at my colleagues or any other people around in, in culture and everyone's in their left brain. They're just very analytical and just, again, very – when you're analytical, you're only looking at, at the material. And I do my best not to. Like I, I try to elevate myself above just the mundane and get into, okay, what's the bigger picture here? I had a big challenge, a legal challenge. Um, just a few weeks ago, it started in midsummer, you know, and it, it could have meant the end of my career. Worked out in my favor, but it was a huge challenge. And and you know, dear Laura, she just watched me go through this, and she was so admiring. Of it. She couldn't believe that at no point in this experience that I that I exercised anger toward the person making this complaint. It was it would have very been much been warranted, but it, I've learned through many years of training, and I can tell you my training, but. I've learned that anger doesn't serve much of a purpose, you know, and it's okay to experience it. Like I said, you know, like that's who we are. Get that anger out, but then get back to the important thing. What do we need to do here? What's the bigger meaning of, of this? And what lesson can I learn? And do that. Uh, I, I, I tend to make the right decisions. I tend to. And uh, I tend to not make mistakes. And even if I make a mistake, it's all right. I can reflect on it and go, all right, and I learn from it. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So leading, leading with the heart, uh, th something that um, is almost the antithesis of a, a scientific perspective, right? Sure. So you, you've created this very interesting personal dichotomy then. How, how do you give power to that, to that heart space? Well, when we dig deeper into so I'm not, I'm not so big into the duality, first of all. I don't believe that science and spirituality are separate. And I look at the works of Fritjof Capra, who wrote The Tao of Physics and Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot. I mean, I don't want to bore you with you know my right. readings. But you know when I read about the, the, the union of science and spirituality and how spiritual, in fact, Stephen Hawking and Einstein and Edison, holy smokes, and Tesla – really were. Mm. And I don't just mean religious. I mean really, truly spiritual. They understood the larger picture of why they were writing these formulas and creating these incredible, incredible inventions. These men had incredibly transcendental sort of perspectives. Every one of them. Even Oppenheimer. You know? Yeah, Opp it's true. Right? I mean, avid, avid devotee of Hinduism. And he knew the Bhagavad Gita like forward and backward. And he, yes. quoted, he knew the problem. Of course, from what I understand about Oppenheimer, he didn't intend for it to be used the way he did, um, the way it was, and uh, it was unfortunate. But point is, it's very rare to find the, the real standouts in science to not be also spiritual. And many of the great mentors I've had in my life, doc, you know, physicians and stuff, they all had a, a decent spiritual practice or were just devoted religious men and women. And uh, I've always modeled, you know, sort of modeled myself after them. I didn't understand that, you know, through 
through much of my life. I always thought, right, when, when I was growing up, if you don't grow up in this or you don't, you don't find it earlier in your life, you tend to be brought up in a, a more dualistic, like, you know, good and evil. Yeah. You know, this is just them and us and red and blue and all that stuff. And I just think that separates us, right? I'm, I don't buy into any of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm you know, whether it's politically or economic, doesn't matter. Socially, I, I step back from the, you know, the separations, the, the duality of us versus them, because that's fear-based. Yeah. And I don't participate in it at all, well, at least as little as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are times when you have to make a choice. But um, so that is where I see science and spirituality. They are necessarily they're they're necessarily dependent upon each other to to fully explain, or else we have holes. We have holes. I was just going to say that you know, no matter how advanced our scientific measurement capabilities have become, um, when you're looking at the people that are really understanding the the fabric of our existence to the full human potential, right? Like a a simple-minded person like me, I'm I'm not going to understand the the equations that 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 these guys are speaking in, right? But through their understanding of what they can see as the fabric of our existence, they know that there's a knowledge limitation, right? They've they've bumped up against the, the human capacity to create this this explanation, and there's so much that's not explained. And that, okay. that is a, that is a really, <laughs> that's a really unique, I, I really appreciate the fact that you drew all of those, like the Mount Rushmore of scientific name, right? And then, and then we really extrapolate out from that. They know, they know everything that a human could know, right? And they don't, and we don't know anything. We don't know anything. And, and the flip side of that is the, is the people who have those types of minds who don't have a spiritual practice. And the unfortunate way it gets it gets used, yeah. and it's used for not good. I think of the the, the great many of the great doctors in in the West here, phenomenal surgeons, by the way. And I, you know, right, really, if I'm I'm in a trauma setting, I don't care if the guy believes in God or not. I want him to sew me up and, and do the most perfect job possible. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you know the leaders in the industry, pharmaceutical yeah. industry, particularly in the, in the USDA and the FDA. These people are using their incredible minds for for greed. Yeah. And for, 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 for disenfranchisement and, and, and hurting people, frankly, knowingly hurting people, you know, the CDC, the VA, all of these people. These are examples of people with, who cannot possibly have a spiritual conscience and, and continue to spew the lies that they do. And there's the other side of that. So without a spiritual foundation, science by itself, very limiting, very mm. limiting. If only Darwin could be right, you know. Yeah. I mean, you just, it's just ridiculous. I can think and think of great breakthroughs in science where we needed it, okay? But without the spiritual aspect of it, it's 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 just wrong. I mean, um, I don't want to. I hope that I, I made myself clear. You know, without without the spiritual perspective, science can really again it has many holes in it, and it can be used for the wrong things. You know, like the makers of the atomic bomb or yeah. anything else, right? Nukes. I mean. We can do great things, but if we're not whole, holistic in our approach, if we're not whole as, as individuals, then we, we, we generally come from a place of fear. And oftentimes control and anger and, and abuse are just another, other definitions of fear. Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah. So that's my thing. Is you cannot have one without the other. You must have both. Yeah. You must have both. If anybody wants to hear, you know, get some real explanations of this, check out anything by Stephen Hawking, mm. Fritjof Capra, uh, the Tao of Physics, and uh, the Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot. It's all in there. Uh, another one I love is uh, Stanislav Graf. He and his wife they did the original LSD um, experiments, 1940s and 50s and 60s, and they understood that the God molecule really did exist in the brain, you know, and, and um, so, um, but. What did we do? Out of fear again, we, we made this stuff illegal and, and we, we created this duality, like dichotomy of us versus them. We've got to stop the drugs and this and that. We don't understand that LSD was originally created, you know, to help people with deep psychological trauma in 1934. Yeah. This laboratories in Switzerland. And I mean, it was created for a, a positive reason and we turned it into something that was completely evil. Yeah. And 
Was it abused? Absolutely was. It wasn't meant to be used the way it was. And then it caused the feds to come in and say no. You know, and this is what happens. As long as we have this, this dualistic culture, then it's very difficult to really make advancements in the merging of the two, you know, the spirit and the science. And we are both, you know, and yeah. there were so many great spiritual teachers, you know, we're, 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 we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. And how can we separate the two? But all of a sudden you start talking about spirituality and we're, we're uh, necessarily almost uh, offending or threatening people's you know, belief systems, especially yeah. if they're highly religious yeah. or if atheistic. Yeah. Either way, perhaps, right? Like extreme. How do I, 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 it's hard to have a conversation with either one. I mean, you know, I really feel sorry for atheists mm. you know, because they, there's nothing to look forward to outside of just right now in this moment. And um, I, I know, but at the same time, extreme fundamentalists, I, it's really difficult to relate. And, um, I just think it would be a great way to find a commonality for everybody. I mean, we all breathe, we all, we all, we all cheer for the same sports teams many, in many ways, right? But in this, we find we have these commonalities in life, and, and generally people are very good to each other. But think about how much greater they'd be, yeah, how much greater they'd be to each other if they understood that these are just false, you know, sort of institutions created largely to separate us. That's if right. we Look past all that. Holy smokes, what the potential would be for humanity. <laughs> so, okay. This, I think, I think we're, there's a heightened sense of uh, separation that's happening culturally right now. And I think, I think you can feel it. I think it's, it's palpable. It's undeniable. It's out there. This, this unification, this idea of unification, uh, it's something that I, I'm very interested in, and I think it, it would be great if 1% of the population was also interested in this. Um, do you think this clarity that you received during your, during your um, New Mexico time, it, was the idea of unification uh, shown to you in that point, or did, were you born with this? How did, how did unification become like your, one of your driving forces? Much later in my life, but as I reflect back in my life, I, I had a lot more consciousness than I recognized or myself to have. It was just, um, it was really clouded over by a, an environment of extreme fear from my life growing up in pretty rough areas. And it's hard to keep that focus when you're just day to day going, you know, holy, you know what, like, this is not a good situation. Yeah. And um, so, I, but in hindsight, I recognize having those understandings if you will and from a real young age we're talking preschool age i can remember just going you know this isn't going to be easy mm. but but you know it's it's just stay on stay on just stay on focus you know i don't call it a path by that but you know you understand that there's some good and evil and i did have some positive influence in my life which really helped with that as well so fortunately i had some of that and uh <laughs> anyway uh i think though having a lot of that adversity caused me to always kind of be a little more fatalistic in my life. It grew and grew as I've, uh, as I've matured. And, um, and I just, again, I just continue to grow on my own personal path. I stay away from, again, as much duality as possible. I read and educate myself as much as possible for the purpose of not just, you know, improving this and this, but also from just making, you know, the world around me better. Yeah. Like everything's vibration, right? We're all vibration. We're all energy. Which is why I love vibe yoga, by the way, and vitality. Since we, we, you know, we, we, we're, we have to heal ourselves first before, before we can make an effect, a positive effect on the vibration around us, right? Yeah. And so, to understanding that we're energetic beings, we're spiritual beings, beyond anything else, is 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 a, frankly, if I can get that message out to people, and it would help them deal with their challenges on a day-to-day basis, and go, it's all just lessons, yeah. you know, it's yeah. all lessons. It's easy to say when you've got MS, when you've got, you know, you know, you you you're on the verge of bankruptcy. And you see, but, but trust me, it, it it doesn't make it any better by worrying about it, by being angry, you know, by casting blame. And I try to just give that message to my patients. I said, you understand your your physical issues are and your emotional issues. They're they're not just organic. Yes, they're organic, but you know, there's other aspects to this. And can you? learn this lesson yeah figure it out because i can't you know 
I can't do that for you. For you. Right. But all I can do is tell you that there is a lesson here. Just leave it at that. And then we'll come back with, well, you're, you're casting blame. Why are you blaming? Like, no, 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 I'm not blaming. This, this makes people angry. All I'm saying is personal responsibility. Every one of us has that. And it's our duty to figure out what that is. What is that karma that we need to clear up? What are our lessons in life do we have to clear up so that we can move forward and move closer to whatever it is we're moving closer to? My, my, you know, I'm always thinking, right? You know, universe is expanding. Where are we expanding toward? I think you know, it's towards just pure consciousness, you know, and uh, I don't want to have to keep coming back and learning the lessons over and over and over every time. I want to put those behind me and then just, and then, and then really get into the important work. I don't know what that is, but all I know is that here it's all just lessons. Yeah. And I catch myself having these thoughts or whatever, these negative, whatever, and, you know, these cravings or something. And it's like, okay, it's fine. It's human. But then I forgive myself for it. And, and then I can, that's the only way, right? It's the only way to true freedom is to free ourselves from that, that, that judgment. And again, that duality and say, it's okay. Yeah. Um, I know we're getting really up in here. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, really getting me to talk about me is not much <laughs> to do at all. I, I was challenged by this, you know, like, like you want to talk for an hour about me. I'm like, Oh man, it's my least favorite thing to do. The, Go on. so, so I want to, I, man, there's just so many things I want to jump into with you. The, the, the freedom to recognize that we are human, um, I think is an a, essential component of, positive interaction, the freedom to recognize that we're going to make mistakes, that we're not perfect, that no matter how, how outwardly we want to pretend we're perfect, we're, we're not. This is a, is a really, a really important concept that I think is essential to a lot of, a lot of individual healing. Now you work with individual healing on, on a really intimate level. Is there any is there anything that is consistent across populations that that you interact with that everyone could do better? The majority of people could do better. There's probably nothing that everyone could do better. If any, they do better, I mean, it, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, everyone could do better. Is it again simple stuff? Like I, I just teach breathing. Yeah. Watch this transformation that happens when someone changes their breathing. Yeah. The first thing you teach in yoga, in my in my experience, is just how to, how to sit and breathe. Yeah, people that would be in a chair or in a wheelchair, whatever. But everyone can, everyone breathes. It's like the most common thing, right? That's that's the first thing that we do. First thing. Yeah. When we come out, we disconnect the cord and we breathe, and and we do until we don't anymore. And that's one thing that we all can do better. And we don't. We take our breathing for granted. We're and sure. So if I, I have just a few minutes with somebody. You know, and, and they're like, well, how do I, you know, lower my blood sugar? And I'm like, okay, well, we start with breathing. And I go through the time, the parasympathetic system, you know, and all that stuff and how we actually can lower our blood sugar. Yeah. You know, long, long term, just learning how to breathe in our in our belly and get our diaphragm to actually move. So it's just something like that. That's my thing. Because the breath is incredibly transformational or it can also be incredibly restrictive mm. and it causes so much disease. And um, if I can get someone to do that, and, and then they start asking more questions, right, about, well, you know, I noticed that since I've been doing that, you know, I've noticed I'm starting to make some better changes now, or I'm having these weird thoughts or dreams. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's really good. Well, did you have that experience? No, I didn't have that experience, but I'm glad you're having that experience. You know, and I put it back on them. I just let them know that it's okay. And so starting with that, because most people then will want to start making better choices, when they start doing yoga, right? So if, if breath is the foundation of yoga, pranayama, and they start doing some gentle physical movement, and they start freeing the body of the, of the restrictions, both physically and metaphorically, then they're just natural. I'm like, you know, I just notice I'm not as interested in smoking as I used to be. And I just know I'm going to quit. Yeah, it's just, I think I'm going to say drinking just for the weekend. So I'm like, oh, it's really good. It's really good. You know, I notice I don't have as much craving for salt and sugar anymore, you know? And I'm like, ah, oh, it's good. Very encouraged. And I, when I see that, and then I come back in a year, lost 60 pounds. I'm like, all well, started with the breath, didn't it? You know? 
Smokes. Some people are, I'm a real sim- simple guy, and, and I don't consider myself smarter than anybody else. I stick to the basics of what I know, and truthfully, it's it's just I can share my wisdom with people, but I let people figure things out themselves. Most most importantly, like I would like a little child, right? You know, sometimes you gotta let them kind of fall and skin their knee or touch the stove. Not not if you can prevent it, but. Like, did you learn something from it? Like, yeah. when I first discovered that electricity really hurts, <laughs> my grandpa just looked at me and he's like, he left. Because he didn't laugh in an evil way. He laughed, he, he related. It's like, oh, okay, you didn't, you, know, you, you, didn't, you didn't die. And yet, you, now you know, electricity doesn't feel good. You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I approach it like a child. And, uh, and I try to be just as kind as possible to people and let them know that, that you know, it's okay to be wherever they are, and baby steps for that whole thing. You know, people aren't going to come see me and then one visit, come back and leave with a whole box full of supplements. It's just not what I do, because it's not going to. I'm not changing anything if I do that. Yeah. Do that for a month or two, and then they, they don't come back or they just stop doing it. I'm like, and they come back, you know, for a follow up. I'm like, nah, I didn't do that. It's just too much. And this one made me feel this one. Because I'm only looking at, and that was my old practice, by the way. Right. That was how we were taught. Yeah. But, but as I've moved on with my spiritual path and through my own path, I recognize there's so much more to healing. So I try to again blend the two, the science and the spirit together. And most of it's by example. Most of it's mm. by example. See the book I have on my desk and want to read. They want to know what that's what that's about. And I'm like, oh yeah, here, you know. But why are you reading about again? Why are you reading about Lincoln? And I'll say, well, you know, this is why. And you know, why are you reading about Stanislav Grof? What's that? Holographic mind. What's that about? You know, I let people ask, and then I I like to guide by example. I found I was able to really do that as a yoga teacher because you have the group setting, mm-hmm. and people want to know a lot more about you. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and they come to you because of you. You know, not so much about specific type of class you're teaching. You know, they want to take you already want you want the patriot experience. You know, like what's he going to talk about today? And it's your delivery, and that that seems to be why. I've done well in my, my medical practice is, is the bedside matter part of it. You know, not so much about this breakthrough I got with this and this and people heal. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's not, really cool. Yeah. Not always, you know, some of them, it's like, it's just, that's not my thing. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I really needed this, you know? Um, well, I can send you out for IVs. You know, I, I don't do that anymore. And it's just not what I want to do. Yeah. I, it's too, it's, it's too, it's too much scientific. You know, it's like, a, we can, we can address this in many ways, but I'm not going to do that part. You know. Anyway. Uh, That's really... I love that. Do you, I, I, I assume there are, other, there are other peers in your world that are treating people similarly? Because I haven't interacted with it, and I, I, really, love, I really love this. On an individual, like a personal level, this is, this is, this is a treatment program that I'm, I'd be drawn to. Yeah, and I mean, generally, you're going to find it. Naturopaths are pretty generally out of the box type. For thing. sure. Um, you know, I, I was a little disappointed in my in my class, class of '97. I mean, a large portion of those people didn't care about, strangely enough, no less spirituality, but they weren't really concerned about healthy living. Mm-hmm. And I was real surprised about that. And um, but I was in a way more judgmental space way back in the day. I'm not anymore, right? I, and I, I try. I truly run, learned to just accept people where they're at. And uh, if they're doing good work with their patients, then that's, you know, who am I to judge that? Who am I to judge, period? Yeah. It's just like I'm, I'm grateful for all of what we do. Our profession is pretty cool. But there's some pretty conscious, um, you know, allopathic doctors, chiropractors, and, you know. Um, so I don't know what percentage to answer your question, Patrick, about that. But, I, I, again, I hope it's a, a, a majority, you know. I don't think it is. <laughs> But I would love for it to be. I, I, I really, I really think when I'm when I'm kind of like calculating all of the all of the pieces that I know about you, this concept of living by example is the thing that keeps poking its head up the most. Um, so I want to share this story because I've meant to have this conversation with you one on one fifty times and never have. But there was a moment when um, so you you practice. You practice at Vitality. You come in. You, you make our day brighter. Um, there was a moment when you came in, and our booking system had made an error. Right, it had overbooked a class, and 
when an overbooking of a class happens, it's like horrifying for us. Like there's there's so much chaos and just worry and fear about what's going to happen. And your response was so kind and loving and open, and it was um, so human. It's like, yeah, mistakes happen, man. It's all good. We'll we'll figure this out. And for like the amount of um, physical stress relieved in that moment. Oh, that's awesome. It's. It is awesome because it's it's like it was a perfect demonstration of you living your practice and you leading by example and how you can never know how much impact that has on the culture of the studio. But um, just that moment, that moment is like ingrained into my mind forever. And I'm just eternally grateful for how you handle that situation and knowing how you handle life. It's just, it's a really beautiful thing. So I can, I can definitely attest to the fact that you really truly are leading by example. And that is such a just lovely, lovely experience. So thank you. My pleasure. (laughs) That is something that's just part of my personality though, too. Yes, it's grown right in my path. But um, I remember just as as a youngest child, just always kind of never wanting to hurt someone's feelings or always seeing life from the other person's side, right? Yeah. And that is my personality. Um, But the – got me a little teary-eyed, by the way. Me too. And then as as a business owner and just growing up in life, you know, and you've heard plenty of people's feelings. Who hasn't? But, you know, especially as a business owner. Yeah. Now, my personal, at this point in my life, I, again, sweating the small stuff, I'm just, that's still gone. And if I can make someone's day better by helping them through a, a simple struggle, like, were to put me in a yoga class, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah. I don't need to be in the, I, I don't need to be in the light <laughs> play. I'm just working on it like I normally work out. I'm just on a regular yoga mat. Yeah. <laughs> I was just happy to be there. Uh, you know, and you let me stay in a class and, and just do it without the light play. I'm like, okay, I get it. There's this certain number of light plays. And, certain number of people <laughs> and does the two don't match you know yeah. like right but that's okay you know why because those little victories i call them victories um help you mm. when you get a big challenge like the one i had just a few weeks ago that came down boom and when i first got this 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 summons this this board complaint you know back in june i was like you know this could be pretty big Caused me to take a real fatalistic step back in my life and go, hey, what does this really mean? What's the worst that could possibly happen here? I lose my license. Who am I? Who am I without my license? You know, without the without the degrees and stuff behind me. And like, who am I? Right? I'm still me. I got. It. I was like, okay, then it's all good. Yeah. So if I can, I can handle big stuff, and I've handled bigger stuff than that. Right? Bigger stuff than that. Little stuff. Like I welcome it. If I can make someone's day. By just easing their their stress, man, I'm doing that, and I do that. I put up fires all the patients and and admin situations and just life. And by the way, I took that attitude into my board hearing. Four of the six, uh, sorry, two of the four doctors on the panel were on the on the board were my classmates, and they know me by character. A third one knows me just as a, an acquaintance. I mean, I. I felt pretty good. And then there was the public members of this on the, and the official board, um, you know, admin, and they don't know me for anybody, but I, and, and the plaintiff was even there. And I was like, he was not a nice person. And I just, um, I, and my, you know, I had my attorney with me here and, uh, I, I, I just walked in and I was, I just, first thing I did, Patrick swear, I said, I just sat down and I was breathing. It took mm. me and you know, took an hour of deliberations before they called me up. And I just, and I got up there with my attorney to the, you know, sort of the firing like squad. And uh, I just sat there and I breathed. I breathed and my heart was racing a bit. And I was so present. And I was so just, I was really just calm. And my attorney couldn't believe how calm I stayed. And I answered every question, you know, very apparently satisfactorily. And, and I just sent love to every one of those people in that circle, no matter what was going on. And I, that was my intention from weeks ago. I said, I'm just going to go in and send love to everybody. Regardless of the outcome, yeah. like I wasn't attached to the outcome. Yeah, so it was not. I just wanted it to be over with, and it was. And the moment they said, "You know, we're good here. Not, not, you know, just move on, take care," and I said, "Perfect." And I wasn't any more or less happy mm. than what I did. You know what I mean? Because in the end, I would have been okay with either decision. Yeah, I was 
prepared, like literally, like life situation wise, I was prepared for either outcome. And when you prepare that way, you know, then then, then it's okay. And and uh, man, it was it was definitely one of the better days of my life, though. You know, getting through that, yeah. What what a what a challenge. This this skill, because I believe this is one of the most important skills ever is the ability to look at the worst possible outcome. Um, because when you, when you understand, okay, this is the worst thing that can happen. You're, you're just prepared. You're just prepared. Is that something that you really crafted for yourself? Yeah. I've been afraid for my life a few times mm-hmm. before. And then as I've grown spiritually, I recognize that uh, if the worst thing is dying, it's not so bad. Mm. Because I don't have a fear of that. Mm. And it's not like I have a death wish. It's just that I understand that this is just one level of vibration. And what we call dying is or the, you know, is, is not the end. I, I'm certain of it. Cause I, I've gone through it not as a near-death experience personally, but losing close people in my life from a really young age. And I remember going – hearing about so-and-so in my life died. And I said, oh, I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. That was always my attitude. And that was my last, that was my last words to well, one of my greatest friends in my life, Dave Oliver, a teacher of all yoga teachers. I was at his feet when he took his last breath. And all my last words to him were, you did good, Dave. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And that's all. And I just, you know, and it's the same thing when I lost my dad. And I was there and I helped him to the light. You know, and I recognize that when we shed this, this exterior, that's all we are. It's just, it's, we are these, just these children. And we just want to, we just want to grow. And we go to another form. And it's not, if we could only see life from that perspective, we wouldn't be afraid down here at all. Sit down here like it's up there. It's not. It's just in another place. And um, they wish one thing for us. I say they, right? When they're on that side, they wish one thing for us. It's just don't worry and just enjoy life. I know that. I know that. And so, if I look at it that from from that perspective, how does that make how does anything else stand up to that? If that's the worst possible outcome, yeah, then you know um, it's not that bad, you know, and it makes everything else easier to deal with. Yeah. So you know, getting over booked in a yoga class. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we deal for you, and I recognize. <laughs> that at that moment you know just like it's a big deal to that screaming patient who understood they were going to pay this amount mm-hmm. and and they were told a different thing when they came into the my, my clinic yeah and and i'm like oh i get it so you paid the amount you expected to pay and and it's you know in the, in the big picture who cares and i have my staff my man, office manager yelling at me going you know they're taking advantage i said don't worry about it but you don't understand they were mean on the phone i said i get it I understand perfectly, and then, but in the end, I don't want to lose that person um, and have a chance to make their life better. Mm. And they don't understand. I didn't hire necessarily spiritual people, and it, it's okay. Um, they're great workers, yeah. and so they can learn from that, though, right? Because they're young, and they can learn from me how I grew up. Diversity. And say, you know what? You don't have to always meet force with force. By the way, I have many years of martial arts experience. And I recognize that force with force only works when you're really young and strong. Mm. Eventually, someone's going to be bigger and stronger than you. For sure. Uh, that's why I'm, I, I'm so grateful for my years of Aikido mm-hmm. that I learned. So uh, that, by the way, has helped to shape my uh, my spiritual path. Okay. The, the practice of Aikido uh, long before yoga, long before. And um, so anyway, uh, uh, that's how that's how I've been able to deal with it. It's just stepping back and then, you know, recognizing like what's really important. When's it important to sweat? And when's it important to just like, just let go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More often than not letting go. Right. right. Breathing. Yeah. And am I perfect at it? Heck no. I mean, you know, I gotta, I gotta tame my, my temper. I had a bad temper in my life, bad. but I've really come away with it and come, come, come to terms with it. And a lot of that was just modeling after my upbringing, mm. but it doesn't serve me. And therefore, you know, it doesn't mean I can't be direct with people. Um, and if they're being belligerent and I have no problem telling them, I, I will not do business with you. Yeah. And, and that's because I've recognized in life, there are certain times where there's something or a certain situation is, or a person is being unreasonable or is unreasonable. And there's, there's really no ha- healthy medium. Then I have to stop it 
and that's where you know Shiva and Archangel Michael kind of arch- archetypically kind of come into my my space. I'm like, it's okay sometimes to swing the sword, as long as you know you've used all, you've exhausted all our options, and um, but not for the purpose of hurting, just for the purpose of saying that's enough. You know, you're gonna have boundaries are important, and uh, or if I'm come to the aid of somebody else, right? Yeah, very important. And then, then, then I recognize it's okay. Then go back to it's not coming from ego. Then you're out. You're you're good. You know, it comes from ego. Yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. It's not okay. Yeah, I'll be swinging my sword that way. Away. So, what else can I tell you, Patrick? I'm I'm a wide open book. Apparently, <laughs> you are a wide open book. I I'm really trying to access how right like so that that ability to to relearn the utilization of temper. Was it was it the martial arts? Was it what was it meditation? Where did that yeah. skill set start to develop for you? Yeah, it was my it was martial arts. I started around age nineteen in college and I had just so much anger. I, you know, I just thought that's how life was. You're supposed to be yeah. angry. Yeah. Um, and then when I beat it out of myself, um, physically just exhausted myself physically. I mean, fortunately I was in a martial art that was highly physical and was a lot of fitness work right it was about i'm like when are we gonna start hitting bags and stuff they're like you gotta do 100 push-ups every day first and that's the only that's only the start of it and and then i got it so a lot of that was just physically releasing right yeah so it was that <clears throat> also from a lot of um humility uh, uh just from a lot of humility losing a lot just really recognizing that i frankly wasn't better than anybody else and i was reminded of that a lot but it was I was reminded of that in a very negative way. I don't need to get into it. But point is, coming from a place of humility already made it very easy yeah. um, to turn that inner anger um, into something good. So, you know, I went through a destructive phase, but not fortunately, not personally. It was just more like the stuff. Stuff got broken. Okay. I did vandalizing and stuff in my late, in my late teens until I knew better. Um, but I never hurt anybody. Yeah. Uh, which was great. And, um, Never got hurt. Never had to get into drugs or drinking. It just I'm not wired for that. I'm not an addictive person, which is I'm just very grateful for. I don't have that chemistry, so I didn't have to deal with that challenge. But the challenge of of anger and severe depression, right? As they say, it's turned inward. It becomes depression. Yeah, it was bad, and um, still peeks its head once in a while. But most of that was chemical, and I fixed it, mm-hmm. not with drugs, but with healthy living and correcting my, my you know. My hormonal yeah. makeup, endocrine makeup, yeah. meditation and martial arts were a huge part of that. Because again, the breathing and the correcting the nervous system, it just brings it all together. So the path was, yeah, martial arts first, which was, by the way, I got into it from fear, right? Mm. But who cares? Mm-hmm. It's you into something. For sure. And then, you know, that's why I started lifting weights and stuff. Again, it was all fear-based. I got to make myself bigger so I can't get hurt. And then... I recognize, well, there's another part of this. There's the discipline part of the martial arts that I just, okay, so then it tied into my sort of naturally non-combative personality, really. And uh, the discipline was what I was needing and missing. And I said, wow, this discipline thing is cool. And I recognized that, wow, I don't need to do that negative behavior, whatever, um, because I learned I can transcend that to doing lots of push-ups or beating a punching bag, right? Then years later, I go to study Chinese medicine, naturopathic medicine, and the holistic arts. And so when I learned Chinese medicine, it, it tied in beautifully with the martial arts, being Asian in origin, right? Mm. And then later, Kung Fu. And 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 just, it, it wasn't one that, this like, thing. It was just this, this path, and you know, just accumulation more and more and more of my, and, you know, I'm, I didn't rush into life the way many people do. And that's what I try to tell the young people. They asked me, like, what should I do in my life? I'm like, don't rush. Mm. And what I did not rush into doing in my life, other than academia, right? I stayed focused on that. I didn't rush into getting married and having kids and, and, and doing the, you know, the large, like, thing that you're supposed to do. Like, okay, by this age, you're supposed to do this and this. I did a lot of that with a couple of real estate things, maybe, and with academics. But that was it. A lot of failures. And then it wasn't until much later in my life that I started really, say, rooting down. Instead, my, I recognized from a pretty young age at 24 that I needed to fix a lot of things in me. And I couldn't fix that if I were raising kids, mm-hmm. if I was those things. 
And um, I took a lot of the attitude of what the millennials are doing now, where they're just kind of really taking their time. They're not rushing to move out, although I did. I get out. But I was my necessity. You know, somebody was going to get hurt if I didn't. Unfortunately, I have to say that. I would have stayed, though, if it weren't so combative in my home. But uh, I am grateful for that because I was a slow developer um, growing up in a big way. I was a very slow developer. Slow, like compared to all my peers, kids, I did not get into this at that age and not get into that at that age. And I'm so, at the time, I felt there was something wrong with me. And then I recognized later that, you know, my my guides had other other plans for me. And um, well, it was very hard growing up being a different kid and then a different guy. Um, it was cool. And now, um, now I've surrounded myself with community communities that celebrate not only you know me but my differences and yeah. cool is that and whether it's in bhakti yoga or in you know vibe yoga or whatever i'm doing right yeah or that i can i can create my spiritual family and create and define my community rather than be defined by a culture that i had no you know no connection with at all high materialistic fast moving culture it just didn't match my personality and I try to fit in that. And when I was with that resistance, I was horrible, horrible depression and anger. And then leaving myself of all of that, moving out this way, recognizing I can be my own master of my own domain, and then sharing that that love and acceptance with other people um, makes my life a lot more fun to live. And I have a lot more to look forward to, and I can help more people. And that's the end. That's all I want to do. Yeah. I, at the end, when I look back on my life, I just want to know, you know, did I do more good stuff than bad stuff? And did I help as many people as I could? And I hope that's I had that luxury of, of that, that death, that experience. Uh, not too long. I just want it to be pretty quick. But I just want to be able to look back and go, yeah, I'm okay. I'm ready to go. Right? Yeah. I really want to do it in a conscious way. Yeah. That's all I ask of myself. And then uh, if I had a headstone, if I weren't cremated, which I want to be, uh, I just want to say, you know, I, I, I made a difference. That would be my epitaph. That's it. And, you know, that's all the great ones ever really did anyways. They made a difference. Um, so. Yeah. Oh, that, that idea. I'm, I'm getting my, my last couple questions for you. I know we're, we're running, we're running long here. The, um, anywhere you want. the idea of, of your personal discipline, because I think just the word discipline makes a lot of people cringe. But when, when I see the, a prescription for breath, right? If, if you're telling people, cause you can sit down with somebody and teach them how to breathe appropriately in 10 minutes, but if they walk out the door and they never do that again, um, it's not going to have, it's not going to have a, the impact you're hoping that it has. So this idea of discipline and at the same time, uh, almost the prescription of habits, how, how do you offer that? How do you, how do you present that when you want someone to change the way that they're that they're breathing in in life? What's your what's your the, the gift that you that you leave someone with? Well, it's 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 literally the physical experience of right. Mm. I don't do it with every patient, but if they give me a leading question, oftentimes I look and say, "How do you stay in shape? You look pretty together." I'm like, "All right, now sit facing me." But we're going to talk about vitamins. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like sit facing me. And then I'm like, okay, put your hand over your belly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is your hand moving right now? Well, no. It's okay. Let's get it to move a little. You know what I mean? Like basically just take me to the experience. Yeah. And if I can have that even 30 seconds with them, they'll come back even if it's a year later to renew their med card, say, or something. So I've seen just once a year. They're like, you, you know, remember that breathing thing you taught me? And then all of a sudden, like all this other stuff, they were like, and I lost all this weight. And so that's how, Patrick. It's just I basically take them into it. Yeah. It's it, it, Unless you have the physical experience of doing, you can intellectualize all you want about, right? You can talk about yoga all you want. Mm -hmm. But if you don't get down on the mat, it's just not going to happen. So in my space, I, I'll get down on the mat with people. I'll show them. I'll say, look, here's what you need to do. You, wanna, you, want, you come to me for answers. Here's what you need to do. You know, and, and I'll size of breathing, whatever it is. I said, look, you're not breathing right, but you're also not walking right. You know, you're not, your posture, here's your posture, check it out. And like, you know, little, just little things like that, um, but basically put them into the experience, right? Not just talking about it, that's how. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. 
you have that as a you know as a yoga teacher and, and studio owner, you have that great opportunity, and you do. People just model after you, you know, you you, you know, during class and just in general, like how to run a conscious business. Mm-hmm. People learn so much. So the moment they, the moment they walk into your, your space, you know, they're, they're learning and they're experiencing and taking that in. They're going, this this is how life can be. It doesn't have to be like it is out there. Hopefully, they get that same experience in your spiritual, you know, temple, right? Yeah. And, but and, you know, it's what you do when you leave there that that's the lasting effect. And by modeling. And uh, direct instruction. I, I think that's the best way. Leading by example. Leading by you, example, yeah. You mentioned discipline. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, especially in a young developing mind at 17, 18, 19, very formative teenager, whatever. Get them a mentor. Your parents are young mm-hmm. teenagers. If you find your kid is wayward and you got them on ADD meds, they don't need that stuff. They need discipline. And I'm not talking about the way the Republicans supposedly are, you know, it's not about the way people are castigated for saying, oh, we got to be you know, disciplined, be strict. That doesn't work. That causes rebellion. I'm mm. talking about discipline. Having a structure. Yeah, structure. Having a structure for, for this kid. And if it's a single-parent household, more important, if there's not a strong male figure, get mm. them. Get them one. Send them to Patrick. You know, show them about, you, know, you can be peaceful and, and healthy. And uh, send them to whomever, you know, it, it is a coach, somebody. Um, I'm sorry I brought the Republican thing, by the way. I'm not political. I just meant the way the Republicans or the conservatives are viewed in, sure. in, in the media. For sure. it, it's, I don't believe in that. Yeah. Like, it's not what I consider discipline. You know, like, that's not... It, it, we confuse angry. punishment for discipline. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, rigidity and then stiffness uh, yeah. in the way. No. Um, but discipline came in very handy for me when I had no structure in my life. Mm. I, had, you know, I was the oldest and the only boy in the family, and uh, I had no one really to show me like what it was truly like to be a, a round, well-rounded person. No, yeah. it was only the only way was through anger, putting your fists through walls, and, and getting ahead of other people and knocking them down. I was like, that never resonated with me. That's, that was where the struggle was. But no one told me any other. So I found it through martial arts initially and then through through mentors eventually um, oh, yeah. Sadhguru Sadhguru um, really speaks around this idea as discipline being the scaffolding right so that if we if we pull all of the the societal expectations away from a human and they don't have a strong scaffolding that's still there they end up in a pile of chaos. But if, we, if we've if we built the scaffolding and then we remove all the BS, we then have the scaffolding to build from. And I've always really, I've always really liked that idea that you need to have, you need to have built your own structure, your own core values, your identity, before you can really know how you want to build your path. And it, to me, you are living from this, you're, you're really living and empirically living your, your values. And um, that is so refreshing and, and honest and real. It's so nice to know you. It's my pleasure, Patrick. I have a long way to go. And uh, I just hope I'm here long enough to, you know, shed enough of that karma and, you know, take as little of it as possible next, you know. Yeah. With, yeah. In the end, I just want to leave it all here. That's all I want to do. Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's really, it's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing to, to be able to experience um, you and people like you. There's just the more, the more, the more of you there are in the world, the, the more potential we have as a, as a society. Wow. Um, I certainly didn't expect that. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> and I wasn't fishing for that. I, I know you weren't. I know, but it's just true. It's just true. And I, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate people like you. And I, I think that one of the things that is becoming more and more valuable to my life is um, being really willing to acknowledge that this type of thing and being willing to encourage it. Because if we, if we think if we think positive thoughts about somebody, um, that's lovely for us maybe. 
But if we share positive thoughts with people, it, it creates that, that healing and that connectivity. And we can start to rebuild the fabric of society instead of every thought and every communication being about how we're different. Why don't we talk about how we either are similar or how we admire qualities in people? And the more we can do that, the happier life is going to be for everybody. Last question for you. Uh, do you have any questions for me? Wow. Um, well, uh, how long have you been, uh, have you had this vlog spot or is that what you call it? We can call it whatever we want. This is, this is going to be episode 28, I believe. We started, um, early on in 2018. So we're coming up on a year. Oh, nice. And, um, it's been, it's been it's been more impactful and more fun than I could have possibly imagined. I'm yeah. just it's love cool. getting the opportunity to talk to people like you. Will this be just audio or video too? It'll be eventually we're going to get it to video. So eventually it'll end up on YouTube also. Um, but it will release as just audio initially. I'm, I'm getting caught up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can. <laughs> use, use it any way you like. But, I, you know... Um... Yeah, maybe I get a piece of it and uh, uh, sure. eventually do a, like a snippet of the video part. Maybe I can put it up on our website or something. For sure, with without a doubt. Any anything that you can use, you just let me know. Well, I could be of any service to you in any way, that in a future you know interview or something. We didn't get into much about my practice, and it's cool. I I know it wasn't what that was about, but whatever you, you know, if you'd like to me to ever talk about a particular subject of the healing or or, or illness, um, I like to speak about that as well and uh, there's a lot of industries we can sort of really just focus in on i know you know that (laughs) and i would love to i i i would love to do this again and um i i would i look forward to it already how about that we haven't even ended this call and i'm looking forward to the next time i get to speak with you thank you well patrick it's it's my pleasure do you want to ask anything else you're you're good do you i feel i feel super super happy this was this was a completely different conversation than i expected to have and it couldn't have been more beautiful or perfect thank you pleasure is mine thank you enjoy the rest of your weekend man thank you so much for the time you as well my brother thank you